This is the Territory Story Podcast News Bites. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. Hello there. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. This is the Territory Story Podcast. It's the News Bites, which means it's time for a little bit of what's happening in the world of news in the Northern Territory. Let's get straight to the heart of the NT Independent online newspaper. And we're chatting with, you won't be surprised, the editor, Chris Walsh. Walshy, how are you, mate? Hey, I'm good, Pete. Been a crazy week so far, but uh, good to be here with you. It's good to have you. And yes, there's a lot happening in the world of news and uh, nothing more than uh, the ICAC popped up again this week with some troubling, disappointing, surprising news. (laughs) Yeah, like just when we thought we could give this a break here. Um, And again, of course, we can't. There's still issues that are unresolved in terms of his office and its hiring practices, I still say. Mm. As we said in an editorial over the weekend, some heads need to roll over that. I mean, that, that stuff we were discussing last week. Yep. Uh, look, like we said, in order for him to retain whatever little confidence there might be that the public has in the office, that he needs to to uh, take decisive action and deal with people who've been dragging the office down here and making some pretty bad hiring choices. But meanwhile, uh, lo and behold, uh, this other issue's come back up. Uh, now, this is, of course, the anti-beverages Water. back up to the surface. <laughs> it's saga, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I um, I uh, kind of took down this, like I took apart this company when I was at ABC and I saw that they got this $10 million grant and I said, ah, you know what, the way the NT News is promoting this, something's not right. <laughs> and so I started digging around and uh, yeah, I come to find out uh, this company Was this had- in the file of things that you knew but you couldn't yet prove? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I soon proved everything. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, this was uh, a company that had um, that had lied about its uh, the, the source of its water, and we found that they lied about that. We found that they had uh, misrepresented the health benefits that they got of this, and this is a Kuna Spring stuff. We did a. I got a. I went over to and we got a. We got the water tested, right? And we got an expert, an independent test. When I was at ABC, and we got a. We sent it to an expert, and he said, "This is like this is tap water. This is equivalent to Palmerston tap water that you're buying <laughs> wow. here. Not even uh, Darwin tap water, but Palmerston, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, that was well. That was the joke, kind of, because the the aquifer. I think that it was. They said it was from an artesian aquifer, and it wasn't. It was from something called the Palmerston. As I recall, some sort of geological formation there, but it wasn't actually Palmerston tap water. He did get it from a a, a bore out in the rural area, and he trucked it into yeah to East Arm. He got it in Acacia Hills, and he trucked it into East Arm and put it in bottles. And um, so, not only that, we showed that that was all wrong. We, we, you know, the other issue was they were running a fake charity. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Katie Wolf was the chair of that, and she said she didn't know it was a fake charity, but got a little confused after two years when there was no meetings being held, and she was <laughs> the chair of this thing. Anyway, that was back years ago, back in 2018, when this all kind of came up. Now. We know that it went to the ICAC after that. Now, the, look, the biggest part of that was, I mean, we showed this company was that uh, after that, they collapsed completely, uh, mm. went bankrupt, went into administration. And um, this was only months after the NT government gave them $10 million. 
Well, and not so much the NT government. I mean, it was taxpayer money, but it was through a group called a, a, an entity called the Infrastructure Development Fund. Yeah. And we'll, we'll kind of get into those details more, I think, a bit tomorrow, Pete, uh, on the weekend here. But um, We can talk about the picture of the board that I saw during the week. Yeah, those guys and girl. Uh, yeah. yeah, funny group there. Um, yeah. But the Infrastructure Development Fund, $200 million taxpayer money pumped into this complete disaster. It made one uh, investment in its two years of operation while costing us millions of dollars just in administration fees. Uh, the $10 million investment, Tenty Beverages being the only investment it made, it did it just months before this company went under. Uh, there's always been suspicions that something has gone on here and that the due diligence at the very least wasn't done because there was something like only a couple of months before they gave them the money. The NT government had actually gone to them and tried to get money that they owed them for back payroll tax that they weren't paying. And the head public servant, Jody Ryan, who was the head public servant and also on the board of the IDF, apparently didn't know that, didn't bother looking in. Oh, well, you guys, let me see if NT Beverages owns the NT government anything before we give them $10 million. (laughs) Didn't see anything. So, look, it went to the ICAC. Riches has now done this report. Uh, He says that uh, his predecessor, of course, Ken Fleming, um, had, uh, had, had started it. Uh, some confusion there and whether it was closed or it was still open. He then uh, took that over in any case. He's now decided that he he needed to close it because he can't investigate a private entity. There are some jurisdictional issues there. Now, I, I won't get into that right now with you, Pete, and we'll get people to mm-hmm. tune in on the weekend because I can explain that in greater detail. But just to say, um, the IDF was under a lot of criticism at the time, and I was reporting on this when I was at the ABC. It was set up, it had $200 million taxpayer money, but it was set up to operate like a private entity. So it didn't have those same controls. Uh, Despite being completely funded with taxpayer money, it was really crazy how they did this. Now, uh, uh, Files likes to say that the CLP created this monster, and oh, and then we right. took it apart because it wasn't working right. Well, Nicole Madison signed off on it as treasurer, yep. and she came in to actually enact this thing. And uh, like I just remember the struggle with them at the time, saying, "Guys, this whole thing is very flawed." And the the number of reports that I did when I was at the ABC on it put pressure on everybody. Um, look, but the ICAC now is saying that jurisdictional issues. Now, there's another group that ran that, that kind of managed the fund for the IDF, even though we're still paying their board members. And then we're paying a million bucks to a group called Infrastructure Capital Group to manage the fund and make recommendations on investments. Mm-hmm. So they now, they're the ones who said, well, anti-beverages. So Richard says, we should be investigating ICG. This is Mike Fitzpatrick, his yep. ICG. Um and uh, yeah, so he says, look, I can't do it as a private entity. Now, there are questions around that. And we'll get that into that a bit more on the weekend of exactly what he means by that. But um, he refers it back to the chief minister now. And he says, look, jurisdictionally, I can't do this. He said, I remain very concerned that uh, about the manner in which the investment in NT beverages occurred. He said that uh, he did not say if he suspected criminal conduct, but he was concerned about the manner in which that investment in NT Beverages was made. He then suggested, well, he then said it was up to the chief minister to refer that. But I mean, look, it's got to be pretty serious if he's referring it to the head of government here. Yeah. And he's not right. just silenced this. Now, this was this report was apparently given to the chief minister in May. It was tabled late on the, the, one of the sitting days in parliament two months later, mm. um, which is kind of weird. And so 
we went to Files and said, you know, what are you going to do about this? And, uh, of course, no response. Now, I see that tonight now ABC's picked up on the story and they've run it. And Files is blaming the CLP government for setting up the fund, but will not and refuses to say if she's referred this to another body, such as the police. Mm. And it seems that that's what the ICAC is saying, is that there's something that's gone on here. I just don't have the jurisdiction to do it. Refer to someone else. She won't say. So surprise, surprise, you guess what she did, Pete. You know what this chief minister's like. Do you think that she would give a, a darn about about 10 million bucks of taxpayer money and actually refer it? me, mate. That's pocket change to this mob. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, yeah. And so anyway, we'll, um, well, we'll talk about that more because it's funny where that fund went and where yes. the money, other, other, yes. uh, yeah, investments by the NT government went with that same money. What's interesting about that is that I could have made them 10% a year and I know absolutely nothing yet. Uh, the, the net result from that was one failed investment plus millions in costs. So anyway, <laughs> we'll discuss that in more detail on the weekend edition. And I just want to say for clarity, Chris was referring to the IDF, not the ADF in that uh, little piece there, <laughs> just in case the accent was a little misleading. Um, Chris, what else are we likely to be talking about on the weekend edition? Yeah, Pete, look, this week, these uh, kind of reforms to raising the age of criminal responsibility have finally taken effect. You remember that we spoke about this back in November when the government passed this legislation. Now, the idea here is that they're raising it from 10 to 12, Mm -hmm. meaning 10 and 11-year-olds will no longer be held criminally responsible for the crimes they commit. And a bit of an uproar about that at the time. The government's saying that they, you know, the the, the new laws took effect August 1, so just on Tuesday. Now, what happened on Tuesday, um, I thought it was was good to show territorians exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, uh, as we know, we've got some pretty good sources and some pretty good places around here. And uh, one of them got in touch. Uh, so as of Tuesday now, and, and I think this is what people need to know about this, is that uh, around 30 young offenders with a long list of prior crimes across the NT have had their records wiped clean following these changes to the age of criminal responsibility, including fingerprints and DNA evidence deleted from police databases. Now, this is quite wow. significant. What also happened on Tuesday is that the uh, ankle monitoring uh, bracelets were snipped on some of them. There you go. Yeah. You're free to roam now. And um, bail conditions revoked. Wow. Now, the problem here, and, and I think if you lived anywhere else in the world, you may be like, well, but come on, it's 10, 11-year-olds. Uh, yeah, until you lived here in Darwin, the NT, Alice Springston, and Creek Gather, and those places, you can you understand what what kind of damage can can occur here. Now, one of our sources who knows about these crimes and and these offenders uh, said that um, some of them had committed more armed robberies than they've had birthdays, mm. and in some cases, those crimes included sexual assaults of smaller children. So he said that the effect of this uh, legislation now. Um, to raise the age of criminal responsibility on crime statistics will be profound, uh, sarcastically saying the public will be able to relax in the knowledge that crime has plummeted as these crimes are removed from statistics. So when we see yeah. that stuff now, 
Of course, the government said uh, they they passed that in November. They wanted to wait until August first because they wanted to get the the, the programming in place. Right? You're going to need diversion yeah. programs. You're going to need to deal with these kids uh, when you can no longer hold them criminally responsible. So, but now some of these groups who who called for that, and of course. The Royal Commission into Youth Detention and the NT, we know that was a recommendation of that, too. Yep. Um, but then we've had all these human rights groups uh, domestically, internationally, calling for it. Now, what a lot of these groups, or one of these groups was saying, was that uh, they also estimated $300 million would be needed to be invested in community-led intervention programs. The Files mm-hmm. government said, well, we got five for you. How about that? Um, they've invested in ten percent. Yeah. Now, Warden last week, when Parliament was on, said that her department had funded five million into just one diversion program to deal with the increased number of young offenders who cannot be held criminally responsible any longer. Uh, she said, since that legislation was introduced in last November, government agencies and service providers have worked collaboratively to put in place the On the Right Track program. For children 11 years and under and their parents, when they show signs, they may engage in at-risk behavior. This is about preventing future crime and ensuring there are less future victims. Yeah, look, they're, they're completely underwhelmed. And the source is telling us, look, it's common knowledge within the system, meaning that the family system here, that the diversion programs in place will not be able to handle the expected increased demand. Mm. Um, the questions raised on why the government would move to change this legislation before being ready to handle the strain. They gave themselves some time, but uh, look, our sources are saying nowhere near enough has been done. Um, yeah, and, and look, you know, you look at this from the other side, so you, well, you've got issues here where police are, are going to be put in very awkward situations here when these these the criminals these young offenders are, uh, are are picked up again for for a repeat offense as we said yep. that it's happened a lot and then you know even if they go through the system and they get there and they're over 11 or whatever to, to court you've got and that this could be people who've committed sexual assaults that their records and all the evidence has been erased and the the establishment in some of these cases where they've established the criminal intent and shown a long pattern of behavior that's all gone that's all out the window and they have to to reprove this this intent and any of their previous offenses now will not be, it's frightening i think for people to actually understand how this is going to work I think it is, and I, I think there's sort of two things that came to my mind when I heard and read about this. One is that, um, well, if if they're going to remove the um, age of or lift the age of criminal responsibility, you know, okay, you can make an argument for that. But um, I think that then needs to be diverted onto the parents, right? So if mm-hmm. these if these mm-hmm. kids are out doing whatever it is they're doing, and, and they reoffend, then why can't we reintroduce some of these previous uh, things on their record? Because they've shown there's no capacity to reform and and get back to normal. But mum and dad, or if it's territory families, uh, they must take responsibility criminally for what these children get up to. Yeah, Pete, yeah, good point. Um, Yeah, look, I I, I don't think that they have answers for any of that right now, and that's what's going to be the situation now. They've gone 10 to 12 and in a place, right? We, we talked about labor putting their ideology ahead of um, 
you know, practicality in the yep. sense that they can't handle this. Why are you changing this? Well, this is what labor does. And we will just do this because we are labor and we believe in it. But practically, you cannot do that. Now, we've yep. got so many fundamental social issues connected to these crimes that, that this government has failed to uh, to improve or to even show that they can manage in any responsible way. Mm. So, yeah, look, it's it's going to cause some issues. We're going to... We, Get into to, to more depth on this because there's a few other things here too that um, mm. it'll be interesting for people to to learn about. All right, sounds good. And uh, what lastly will we be talking about on the <laughs> Well, you know, Pete, our fearless chief minister, our fearless leader, was down in uh, Canberra this week. Yes, uh, the National Press Club uh, telling all right lies as uh, wow. she does. You know, we don't want to. Um, we didn't want to keep this little sh- file show just for us. We wanted her to have a national stage. Roll it out nationally. So she somehow, um, her people decide. Okay, well, let's get let's get Tash up on the uh, on the national stage. Where should we do it? Let's go to the National Press Club. <laughs> they won't have any idea what's going on in the Northern Territory right now. Anyway, um, she shows up there, gives a speech. Second question from the floor wasn't even from the floor; it's from Laura Tingle. While people says, yeah. "Excuse me, Chief Minister, um, you know why are you? Why does your government have a ban on the NT Independent? You know, wow." And uh, and you could tell Files is thinking, "Well." Yeah, uh, I didn't think that they would know about what I've been doing up in the NT for this long. <laughs> so she's down there, right, for her all, all intents and purposes to to be spruiking the Northern Territory and getting people to invest and saying what a great place it is. But meanwhile, at the same time, she seems to think that that she can keep her secrets back home and that nobody will know about what's actually going on in the NT. Yeah. And so, so Lord Tingle says, why is that ban on the independent happening? Shouldn't you be lifting it given it's broken a lot of important stories in the territory? Yep. Thank you, Laura. Um, Yeah. Shouldn't you lift that ban in the name of press freedom and broader debate in the Northern Territory? Uh, Files responded, I think we're going to have to disagree on this one. We feel that it's a blog page, if anyone knows what that is anymore, and it's not Mm -hmm. a professional media outlet. Tingle replied quickly while she was still talking, saying, well, it's won all sorts of awards for its coverage. Yes. Files then continued, I think, you know, we can use our valuable time here, but it's for us, it's not a professional media organization. There's been a lot of misinformation and it's not a professional organization. Now, that is patently untrue. In fact, I, I would say it's defamatory. And she knows that because she knows me and she knows I'm the editor of the NT Independent and she knows exactly how I operate as a journalist. And, you know, when she Mm -hmm. was in opposition, she would gladly have me at her press conferences, but not while she's chief minister now. Um, So, yeah, look, we've just we've had to uh, call that out for what it is, Pete, and defend the, the integrity of. Uh, the NT Independent, its staff, and and me as the editor here, because yeah. this was a full-out assault on us that, that, that we didn't see coming. Um, she's clearly overstepped here. She said some some really stupid things that, that just are untrue, and that's why, you know, we have in the headline, she's just resorted to outright lies on the national stage. Mm. So, uh, yeah, look, this is really uh, distressing, kind of troubling on everything. We've had a, a lot of support. I've had some some calls with some people nationally about all of this and the, and the fallout from this. And um, 
yeah, there'll, there'll be more certainly coming on this. Um, yep. But, you know, uh, yeah, like I, like I say in here, uh, the more, and this is a, a line here, the more that I, that I was saying in, in the story, the more we all passively permit her files to lie to all of us, the more emboldened those lies become and the further the truth drifts. Mm. Um, I said, with the whole country's now seen our chief minister in action where she immediately results to bo- resorts to bold-faced lies and unfounded attacks when the facts line up against her. Well, you know, at some point, we're, we've got to say that's enough here. And uh, you've got to start telling the, the truth on things. And um, we just, she just kind of seems to get away with this. So uh, we will have more. Of course, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, I could, man, I was, I'm still just kind of shocked that she would be that um, uh, uh, callous about it all and to just to, to, to lie and to say things she knows to be untrue. And she knows yeah. that that is not true. And she knows that I've been a journalist for over 20 years. And she knows, as, as Laura Tingle even pointed out, well, they've won awards that broken very important stories in the territory. Well, yep. look, at the end of the day now, we know what this is really about. And this is that the files is afraid of what we've been exposing. And so it's your classic disengage and discredit stuff here where mm. she doesn't want to engage with us. And then we'll go on a national stage and defame us, uh, you know, to, as some sort of defense of why she doesn't, why, why she avoids scrutiny and has no respect for the freedom of the press. Uh, you know, and just to suggest that, oh, this is a uh, valuable time being used up about this. Well, I think she, she kind of misread the room on that one. Yeah. It's a room full of national place. journalists. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, they had time to talk about very yeah. important uh, pillars of democracy, such as freedom of the press. They were all yeah, up for yeah. that. And she just showed, that, you know, she embarrassed the NT on a national stage on this one. And yeah. look, well, there's more to come on this. Like I said, I've been talking to people and um, we'll have more. Yeah, it makes sense. And look, as far as the professionalism aspect is concerned i take personal offense to that because um i can tell you firsthand and i'm happy to release video footage if i have to that chris turns up in a suit and tie every week to record weekends with walshi and he's the most professional dressing man i've seen in the nt well i do have some pretty nice shirts a little too hot for the suits i got the suits for the special occasions man but uh yeah, look. Weddings yeah. and funerals. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, media events. Um, media awards, that's right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, look, it is just, it is that, that uh, these comments are way out of line on her on her behalf, and we know that she knows it's not true, and she can't back that up with anything. So we've gone to her, too, said retracted or explain, yeah, yeah. give us evidence of what, what you mean here, and she's been unable to do that. So, yeah, mm. more to come. All right, we'll catch you on uh, Weekends with Walsh to discuss all of those and more in more detail. Great. Thanks, Pete. We'll see you then. That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online newspaper. Weekends with Walsh, back again on Saturday morning. That'll be released around 7 a.m. And we'll catch you again next week for the Territory Story podcast, News Bites. That was the Territory Story News Bites for this week. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.